This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Newton at the Sakasana United Methodist Church, August 8, 2021. The message is, Where Are You? Based on Genesis 3, 1-13. It's good to be with you this morning. Will you join me as I pray? Loving, gracious God, we come before you asking for your guidance and the words of wisdom. Open our hearts and minds to listen to what you have to say about our lives, about our faith. We pray that your Holy Spirit come, touch our hearts so we can become more faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So a grandmother was traveling on a plane to visit the family. She began talking to the young man sitting next to her. She introduces herself and began to talk. Hi, it's so nice to meet you. I'm flying to New York to visit my family especially my granddaughter's birthday. I'm so excited. And I remember when she was just a little baby, now she's already three, time flies. She then proceeded to, to find a photo of her granddaughter that was stored in her purse. Do you see her beautiful eyes, her dimple on her lap cheek? She's simply adorable. I could stare at her all day long. The grandmother continued, not stopping for a moment to let the man beside her speak. After around half an hour, she realized that she was probably talking too much. Oh, you know, I feel terrible, she says. Here I am just talking and talking without letting you get a word in. So tell me, what do you think of my granddaughter? That was my uh, joke, by the way. Um, <laughs> Some of you, some of you uh, have granddaughters, grandson might resonate with this lady, but we know people ask questions for a variety of different reasons and purposes. Questions that people ask come in many different guises and shapes. Some questions are asked out of curiosity to seek the further knowledge, better understand someone or something. Some questions are disguised argument. We know this type of question. Though it sounds inquisitive in format, what it actually does is to deliver an argument. Other questions are disguised a device. You know, you hear this question, have you thought of doing X and Y? This kind of questions give you some directions for what to do. They're disguised advice. Other questions are asked for raising awareness. This type of questions help people to see what's going wrong in their lives and what's necessary to overcome problems and barriers in their lives and what strength and resources could be drawn on to get back on their feet and to move in the right direction. The Bible includes these different types of questions 
And some of them are actually the questions that God asked us, that God asked the biblical figures. Many Christians see the Bible as the book of answers, which is true. But oftentimes we neglect the fact that the Bible is also filled with many questions, questions of faith raised by people, the questions of life raised by God. As we pick up and open the Bible to find the answers of life we are struggling with, we realize that the Bible doesn't give us much of the straightforward answers. Rather, it holds up a mirror. It asks us, it asks us questions of ourselves, and most importantly, it transforms us. Not by the knowledge we find, but by the God we encounter within the letters. In July, we engaged in the sermon series, Deep Questions, wrestling with some of the questions we had regarding the matters of faith. You know, we ask God many questions along our faith journey, but how often do we consider the challenging questions that God asks us? What do those questions mean to us today? If God asks you those questions this day, how would you answer? And that's exactly what we are going to think about in this particular sermon series, the questions that God asked us. We will reflect on the four questions during this month in our Sunday worship and many more questions in our Bible, Bible studies beginning August 18th, which is next Wednesday, not this Wednesday. According to the Bible, where are you was the first question God asked humanity. God created the universe and placed Adam and Eve in a perfect garden called Eden. But then they broke the one and only rule they had been given. As a result, they put fig leaves together to, to hide their body. And they did hide from God behind the bushes in the garden. And then we read the words, God called to them, where are you? Where are you? Well, hearing this story, some of you might wonder why all-knowing, omniscient God would want to ask humans those questions in the first place. In fact, God asks us questions for different reasons and purposes, which we'll, we'll be exploring in this sermon series along the week. Those of you who came across a great mentor or coach would know that they are not only a great listener, but also a great questioner. They know how to ask the right question and help us to explore answers rather than simply telling us their own answers. Like a master coach, God knows exactly what questions to ask, allows us to wrestle with those questions, rather than simply giving us the answers. Our God knows that a question has a greater power to change us than a straightforward answer. Especially when the question comes from God who knows what to ask, 
the transforming power of living through the question is real. By asking us questions, God wants us to know how much God values what we think and feel as the children of God. God wants us to grow through this process of inquiry, which is not just intellectual, but relational in nature. In this sense, the question that God asks us is a disguised gift. It's a form of divine grace in disguise to help us discern and grow our relationship with God and others. My children love playing hide and seek. One day I did hide in a place that was very difficult for them to find me. When I was serving in the south, there was, in, in the Parsonese, there was a big closet inside the bathroom. And I was hiding there. They searched here and there, all the places in the house where they thought I would be hiding, but they couldn't find me. At some point, they started calling me, Dad, where are you? Where are you? We can't find you. The voice was getting louder. They got frustrated and scared. And then my son began to cry as if I disappeared completely. Of course, by the time I would break silence and say, hey guys, I'm over here. As they're growing, they know that even if I'm not visible, I am somewhere in the house. And they know how to hide themselves in a place I could never think of. And I have to ask them this question, where are you? Now I'm asking them, where are you guys? Sometimes in our faith journey, we feel like we are in a hide-and-seek game that seems to be last for days and months. Like the psalmist who cries out, Where are you, Lord? Where are you? How long? But like Job, who felt like God was hiding from him. Like the meaning of his name, Job. The book is filled with very question, Where are you, Divine Father? Now, what about God's question to Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis? The question, where are you? Why does God ask them this question? What does this question reveal? It reveals two significant theological truths. One is about us, the nature and condition of our humanity. And the other is about God, most specifically God's Searching and loving heart. First, the question shows us some significant truth about the human condition and experience. Remember, this question comes at a crisis point between God and Adam and Eve. See what happens to Adam and Eve after they ate the forbidden fruit. Interestingly, They were hiding behind the bushes. When they heard the sound of God moving about in the garden, they were afraid. It's the same God who created them, who communicated to them. And now they're afraid of God. After committing a sin, fear sneaked into their hearts. So they were hiding in fear, guilt, and shame. 
When we are in fear, guilt, and shame, we try to hide. That's our human nature and, and tendency. We try to cover up. Hiding and, and covering up is a means of self-protection and self-defense. Hiding and covering is a way of dealing with our sense of fear and guilt and shame. And one of the hallmarks of guilt and shame is a blame. It continues until someone stops. It continues until it reaches at God. In the story, we see Adam blaming Eve and, and, and God, and we see Eve blaming the serpent, representation of evil in the Bible. In a sense, blaming others for wrong we have done is literally as old as humanity, according to this study, story. As psychiatrist Dr. Abraham Tversky puts it, human beings need four things, air, food, drink, and someone to blame. What we learn from this story and also know from our own experience is that we tend to blame others to escape from feeling guilt and, and, and shame. It's an attempt to get the searching spotlight of ourselves onto someone else in the fear that we, will, we might be find out. Sadly, blame makes things worse. We know that. It leads to more relational alienation and disconnection. What's funny is some Christians actually blame Adam and Eve for what they did, for making sin enter the world, but they do so not realizing that they continue the very the same thing, the blame game. If we read this story closely and correctly, we cannot help but to admit that we were also there in the place of Adam and Eve, a place of disobedience, a place of unfaithfulness. In other words, the Adam and Eve story is, is the story of all of us. Like Adam and Eve, there were times when we tried to cover up who we are before God and others. Adam and Eve attempted to conceal their inadequacy, fear, shame with fig leaves. Of course, we may, we, may not, we may not use leaves, but we do use other things to cover us. Business, spiritual laziness, achievement, perfectionism, or anything else that can cover up. Where are you? God's question comes in a situation like this. Again, why would then God, the source of wisdom, knowledge, ask them this question? God asked this question not because he doesn't know where they are, but because he knows what's wrong with where they are. It may sound ironical, but our God asks us the same question because he knows where we are more than anyone else and because God deeply cares about us. And that's the heart of the gospel we hear from today's Old Testament story. This question reveals the truth about God, God's searching, loving heart. Just like God did to Adam and Eve, he, God calls us out of hiding. God comes to find us and reach us in our hiding. God even 
covers our shame. In Genesis 3.21, we didn't read this part, but God makes clothing for Adam and Eve. From that moment, clothing becomes a metaphor, a symbol of acceptance, worth, and dignity. More than anything else, God asks this question because God wants to enter into a conversational relationship with us. God wants to have a genuine conversation, and God knows a genuine conversation is not possible without asking questions. God shows God's deep desire for deep connection by asking questions. I think I mentioned this before, but Trevor Hudson, Methodist minister, pastoral therapist in South Africa, realized one day that he had approached God and his faith and Bible from the wrong direction. It was as if God said to him, Trevor, rather than you always asking questions of me, start listening to the questions that I have for you. And this insight was a critical turning point in his faith journey. The question from God in the Bible are the questions that God asked the people of God across the generations. So when we hear the questions as addressed to us, we come to understand what conversations God wants to have with us in our present lives, here and, here and now. Our response to God's question draws us into a relationship of deeper intimacy and connection with the Lord. Where are you? If the Lord asked you this question this morning, what would be your response, my friends? It was the question that did stick with my mind during my vacation. Not simply because I had to preach about this question, but because over the last few months I have found myself wrestling with this particular question already. It was not that I hiding from God after committing a sin against God or something. This question was kind of back in my head for a while, but then it started being part of my daily thinking and activities. You know, some questions never go away until you engage it seriously. Where are you, Stephen? One day this question came to me through a phone conversation with a college of mine who was struggling with the stress from ministry, spiritual dryness. He was finding hard to pray and even prepare a sermon. Where are you, Stephen? When another day he came to me through a short conversation with one of our church family who was wrestling with a relational issue. More recently it came to me more when I was reading and rereading this Genesis story. Where are you? We know it's more than a question about physical locations. Friends, where are you today, relationally and spiritually? Where are you in your life of prayer and faith? Where are you in your friendship and relationship, in your marriage, in your parenting? Where are you in your work? Where are you in those things that have left you brokenhearted and grieving? Where are you in those things you regret and wish you hadn't said or done in your disappointments and failures? 
Where are you in your joys and thanksgiving? Where are you hiding? Are you hiding somewhere behind the bushes of denial and blame shifting? I don't know what hiding looks like in your life today, but I hope you hear God's calling through this particular question. Where are you? No matter how long, how far you are hiding from God, no matter how, how, how much you feel lost in your life, remember, God's searching heart never stops calling you, never stops reminding you that you are the people of Coramdale, which is the Latin term that refers to in front of God or in the presence of God. As we ponder on this question this morning, let it teach you. Let it guide you. Like the psalmist who confesses, where can I go from your spirit, my Lord? Friends, let your soul respond to God, saying, Lord, I'm over here. Search me. I'm right before you in your presence, no matter where I try to hide. You know me. You search me. Those of you who uh, are my, uh, in my Facebook would know that I visited a lot of uh, waterfalls. It, it's been a tradition for my family over the last few years. And I visited uh, different waterfalls and also uh, the trails. It was a relaxing time, peaceful, relaxing time. Um, the campers and hikers in the northern United States and Canada, I heard this uh, story from... Um, a friend of mine, but uh, they are always unnerved the first time they hear the cries of the common loon, a black and white a bird. And they are very active at night. They would seem on a lake as a couple of after dark. It is known that the large bird makes several calls, the distinct, distinct calls. But the weirdest of all is the sound of its wail which some people say sound like a human voice calling, where are you? In fact, that's why they cry. When they can't find each other, they use the whale to locate each other. It's one of the evocative sounds, something that will stick with you for the rest of your life once you hear it. So I want you to hear the sound first. saying, I'm here. Where are you? And a few seconds later, you heard another sound, another response from the other member of the pair giving its whale saying, I'm over here. No worries. And eventually we'll be together. When we ask God the question, where are you? Our God assures us with this calming voice, I'm over here. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. I am with you. And when, when God asks us this question, where are you? Our response should be, Coramdeo. Here I am, Lord. I am over here before you in your holy presence. 
Amen.